Andrew Tate is get this podcast cancelled like, he ended up just being like I can't fucking take this and he asked for another seat and he left working with Harry Kane was one of the biggest moments his like energy was insane you know I'm like you're like the pinnacle of British sport and you're right here and you're a tall specimen of an athlete I was in a really bad accident I was in a coma for three days and I woke up from that coma that was the catalyst for me to go life is too short Yeah, you yeah. have to just do it you can actually go to Roberto Escobar's house and you actually get to meet Roberto Escobar. Drove to this compound, the sons of him came over, and then again, the brothers come over and they're like, no, 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 we told you already. That is fucking bonkers. Yeah. How's it going, people? Welcome back to another episode of the Here's the Crack podcast. This is the first guest episode of 2023. Yo. And yes. we've got the one and only Paul Kennedy on. Now, you are the owner, founder of Lifelike Media. And a little bit of context anyway, like you've worked with some of the biggest brands, like um, obviously Pride and Minions, one that you've worked with. You've done a lot of promotion and stuff like that there. Shout out Nico, the man yes. <laughs> Um I think one actually that Tommy said the other day, which I was like quite surprised at, was um, Stat Sports. That's a big one. Yeah, they're legends. Yeah. And um, it's just obviously... Getting into all that, you've obviously done a lot of other stuff as well, like promotion, um, like the Global Titan boxing event and stuff where uh, Floyd Mayweather, if you obviously don't know him, fought Deji, one of the YouTubers, um, which was sick. But um, I think you could get into like all this. I feel like we could just start dissecting all this right now, but I think we'll hold it. We'll go straight back to the start. So the like very before, start? Like, yeah. Okay, let's rip the start. I yeah. was, I don't want to say I was like your entrepreneurial school kid, but... Because I feel like, you know, business owners kind of always say that, but I did do that. You sell I, chocolate bars in school? Yeah, <laughs> but you know what my thing was? I knew my mates had energy drinks locked down and that, so I knew I needed yeah. something else. So I did Mawams, you know, like the, or, oh, yeah. and the yeah. Wam bars, you know, as we choose. But you're talking about like 10p margin. So <laughs> what what really uh, got me started in entrepreneurship in school was, you remember the iPod touches came out? Yeah. yeah. Well, I always had like music uh, in my life. I was a drummer. And I had the iTunes filled with all the Pirate Bay rip tracks. <laughs> nice. So I had to fill up your eight gig uh, iPod touch for, for a fiver. And if it was a 16 gig, it was a tenner. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, you know, good margins on that compared to sweets. Yeah. And then actually it, it grew to the point where the teachers were getting involved. Yeah. So the teachers were giving me their iPods nice. and I was yeah. putting ABBA no and all that there. <laughs> so that's when I, and then like to go even further, one of the teachers ended up having me and my mate quote for a deck, like we're going to redo his deck. Uh, and his garden, because I, I kind of pretended we were going to start a gardening business, but that's, that's, enough, that's another <laughs> story. But, you know, it was always there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It was always there, all, all those little um, school entry things. And then I, I knew that I wasn't going to go to university because it wasn't what I wanted to do. Yeah. I wanted to be in school to play rugby. So yeah. I did that. What school, what school did you go to? Grosvenor Grammar. Grosvenor. Uh, East yes. played, played them in rugby a few times. What school were you? Academy. Oh, yeah. Academy. Yeah. I mean, we were all right. We had yeah. some, we had some good moments in our career. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 was, I, was, I was in the B team though in rugby. Like I, I wasn't like yeah. rugby wasn't the be all and end all. No, I, I, I wanted to do rugby yeah. for real, but yeah. I just oh, I hurt my leg. Like so you know funny. what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. would have improved. Don't money. Broke my toe. It's so funny though because like I. Like I, I remember the part of the reason why I kind of gave up rugby was because I was quite like small and skinny, so I played like some of like the winger positions and stuff because it was quite fast. And then like came back like a year and a half later and put on like a fair bit of weight, and they were like, "Yeah, you're going hooker." And I was like, "Oh right, okay." It's just hookers are quite like big. Yeah. I was like, "All right, okay, yeah, yeah. Let me let's maybe let's give this up." Is that like a rugby insult? No, no, it's not. But like, it's yeah. 
You don't I wasn't hurt. You didn't yeah. hurt. Yeah, I took the hurt. No, but. <laughs> for jokes. Yeah. But no, I, rugby is what I, I did want to do it, definitely. Um, just don't think I had the skill. Like, um, And then that's why I was in school. But I remember teachers and all being like, why aren't you going to university? Because yeah. I'm playing rugby. And I had that bit of beef with, with that. Um, you know, my friends were all going to uni, but I just never wanted to. So what I did was... I went traveling. Yeah, yeah. So the first thing, as soon as I got out of school, I moved to Canada, became a ski instructor, and actually taught skiing to six and seven year olds. I got a class of ten to twelve year olds. Did you know but how to ski? Oh, I yeah, skiing. So I thought this was like the garden he thing was where it was like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I just showed up one day. I'll teach these young ones how to ski. Don't just, worry about uh, it. Like, grab the I know pole. <laughs> ski. I wanted to ski, so I was like, how can I ski? Even though I have no yeah. money because I just left school, so okay, well I get paid to ski. Yeah. But you know that kind of thing, you don't get good money. You get beer tokens. Yeah, yeah. And we we're in Canada in Banff, and that was serious crack. Yeah, really good. And that gave me the bug. I was living with Australians, and they're all mad as fuck. Yeah. So ended up doing, you know, straight after that went to Magaluf. We'll really quickly skip over that, but <laughs> did the season. What was that? What are the seasons like? Because you hear people match them when they're just like. <laughs> Drinking every day, you know. Yeah, like it was like that. Looking back, like back then, it was fun. But looking back, you're like, you get the like, you're like, oh. yeah. yeah. We did like, you know, thirty days of drinking in a row, and then you get really ill, and that's yeah. actually why I came home. The Magaluf thing was great, great experience. Met loads of great people, and then continued the whole travel. And did forty countries, but I'm not thirty, so I was trying to do forty countries before I'm thirty. Mm-hmm. So traveled a bunch of them, lived in a few of them, and got loads of life experience before I came back. Yeah. To settle as it is. Not quite settled yet, but you know what I mean? Like before you try to do something yeah. for real. Yeah. yeah. Was was that like the plan in terms of did you go with that intention of traveling to learn more before coming back? Or was it just kinda you were young, you wanted to experience things, you started traveling then almost like caught a bug and then found yourself almost like country hopping from place to place? Yeah, you definitely catch the bug, but I loved like watching ski videos and like extreme sports and that sort of stuff. And didn't really have it here. So I was like, I can't ski here. I can't like, I love diving, scuba diving. Yeah. So I was like, I can't dive. Well, you can dive here, but it looks awful. Yeah. So I went and did my rescue scuba diving. So I became a ski instructor, then did rescue scuba diving. And then I, my plan initially was every winter I will ski and every summer I will dive. Yeah. Eventually become an instructor and just live that little life for a bit. But yeah, like you just said, you get the bug and you want to just keep moving around. Yeah. But you're able to take those skills with you, do you know? Yeah. Was it hard, like, bouncing about and making money? You know, like, that's one of the things you see people are, like, they go traveling for a long period of time. It's like, how do you sort of finance that? Well, I didn't have money. Like, that was the... So I went to Australia with a thousand pounds and I didn't know that that wasn't a lot of money. So I didn't last very long. It lasted like 12 days before I had to get a little bailout from a dad. So he gave me like 500 quid to keep going. Mm-hmm. And then eventually I had to get a job. With, and this is really which, and this is why I always urge people to go traveling because this like shaped me. You know, I went into door to door commission only sales in Australia. So if I wasn't making sales, I wasn't eating. Yeah. And we ended up what getting were you selling? solar, milk and bread and charity uh, lottery tickets. So three different things. No, no, no. That's three different companies, but three different, like, completely different <laughs> projects. You were good for, like, a solar company, and they, they were like, go sell them solar. If they say no, fall back on the, bre- me- the milk <laughs> and the bread. Whatever I could sling, like. Yeah. The commission on bread and milk wouldn't be too yeah. high, I wouldn't imagine. Like. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know. How do you have to go door to door, mate, to sell milk? 
No, so it's it's called Aussie Farmers. So it's oh, like right. a, you know milk, bread, veggies, yeah. all that delivered to your door, yeah. and that's what's going on. But I was good at it. I liked seals, and I was like, yeah. I decided I would study the seals so I could actually mm-hmm. survive in Australia. Um, but you know, there's been moments where me, Reese, and Max, who went together, we ended up living in our car for three days. It's a Holden Commodore, three people in one car before we could get like a commission check to go and get our hostel. So yeah, you're you're right there, like on the breadline. Yeah. And that forces you to be good because if you don't be good, you have to go home. Yeah. yeah. If you're not great at seals, you then you don't eat. Yeah. Oh bail- bailout time, and I already have my bailout straight away. So. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. Like, like I worked I worked in seals for ages, and it was like kind of that thing where you, the targets and stuff, and obviously like. The, the more you bounce about jobs, the more you do realize that the, obviously all most jobs have KPIs, they have targets and stuff. But sales were like going in every day and looking at a board that was like, oh, we've you have sold twenty seven out of fifty, and it's maybe like one week towards the end of the month, and you're like, oh dear, yeah. But then I was uni at the time, so it didn't really matter. But there well, was we, that pressure. The, I feel like you also, I think like Bill Gates or someone said, like hire someone lazy because they'll find like the quickest shortcut to do it. Yeah. But we ended up finding these wee shortcuts. So that Aussie farmers job, like we had to design. We tried to do the, the trial order to get them signed up, mm-hmm. but we ended up just signing them up for the trial order, getting all their details, card details and everything, but then canceling their order so they wouldn't actually have to pay for it, but it went on as a seal in our system. Yeah. And we were just like, uh-huh. and then in the Monday, you know, meeting, they're like, you know, user on like 12, user on 10, like yeah. whatever you felt good, but, and eventually all came crashing down, the scam was exposed, and we all <laughs> lost our that? job, yeah, and then queue the next seals, you know, yeah. that's that's why we did so many different seals projects. Well. Three years in prison for fraud and all the <laughs> notorious in Australia, what are you informing me selling milk? That's why you travel, <laughs> to learn those mistakes early when you're 19, and then yeah. you, don't, you, know, you don't bring that back. <laughs> And would you say, like, for someone, say, who's listening or whatever and, and maybe coming out of school and hasn't really got much of an idea? Because I think you see a lot of that now as people leave, like, secondary school and they're like, like, when you ask them, what are you going to do? I don't know, so I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to do this course. Like, would you say the best thing to do is just 100%, go traveling? Like 100%. Like, that is what I say. And I'm lucky enough that I get the opportunity to mentor a few, you know, younger guys coming through. Yeah. And that's what I say. Like, if you don't know what you want to do, don't just gamble and go and do university yeah. course for three years and waste three years of your life and spend all this money and come out in debt. Mm-hmm. Use the same time and the same sort of debt, but obviously like not as much, to go traveling. Mm-hmm. Take a loan off the parents. If you can't do that, work, get sales job, travel, because you'll learn more about yourself. You'll get uncomfortable and you'll network. Like I have friends mm-hmm. all over the world now. I'm really, really lucky for that. And I can just go anywhere and you know be a guest in someone's city. So I, I really urge people to do that straight away. You know, if you're 16, 20, even if you're like mid-20s, like just do it because yeah. it's it's a really great experience. And then you look back in life and you look back at all those experiences that yeah. you have and the stories you can tell. Yeah. It's funny because I know a guy who's literally turned out, he he worked with me and now he's going traveling and he's like 26. Yeah. He's like, I wish I'd done it. Like you're messaging him now and you're like, how's it going? And he said, I just wish I'd have done it earlier. Exactly. Because like you're looking back at things now and you're like, now's the time. Like it's it's... Because you do, like, wild shit when you're young, you know? Yeah. And then, like, shit you wouldn't do now. Yeah. But then me and my girlfriend were going to go traveling this summer and do a little bit of Eastern Europe backpacking, like... Yeah. Because I, I still miss that. And yeah. You can do, like, four or five countries in one go. Um, so we're we're planning a trip right now on what we're going to do this summer. Nice. So it's not, it's not like it doesn't... You don't stop with the age, but you just get a little bit more sensible on it. Yeah. Where are you at with the countries? How many have you got to? 40. You're at exactly 49. Yeah, so St. Lucia there. I did a lot there in Q4. Um, 
so that was my plan. Like we, I say this, like we optimized for fun the last three years, even with the business, we optimized for fun. Yeah. How much fun can we have? Like, what can we do? What experiences can we have with using this company as leverage? And now we're going to optimize for growth. Now I've kind of got a lot of that done. Yeah. yeah. It's time to travel then. Yeah. And like, when, when was it roughly that you sort of, obviously you've done your travel and you've done your sales and, and you've kind of had that experience. When was it that the kind of entrepreneurial side of things, obviously taking away the Mawam side of things sort of like <laughs> took place? Yeah, Where, well, good question. So I had an events company first. Um, so whenever, before I went traveling, I funded it by working at Box for Coos Day. Did you remember that? Okay, no. What? Box. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, it was Coos Day. Was it like the nightclub box? Box, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Box that, nightclub. like the 90 B drinks night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was Cracks 90, which yeah. I was there as well. So I was yeah. the wee granda dressed up. You know, there was like people dressed up around town. I remember, I remember, the, I think only like, like one or two yeah, things. Yeah, like it was not that much, but it yeah, yeah, yeah. closed shortly was box, after we... Was Box like Club and Odyssey? Yeah, yes. uh, closed uh, around the time we started uni, but... The uh, greatest club of all time. Like, I'm so sorry you didn't get to experience it fully. <laughs> <laughs> but I worked there and then to load up on cash before I left. And then whenever I came back, all the people, like all my mates that I worked with, they now become like managers in that role and you know, had more authority in the club. So having this idea, my brother was still in school. I was like, well, let's get all the school parties. You know, we'll plan their party. We'll do an event and we'll charge them like 20 quid a ticket and we'll put it all together. We'll get their transport, blah, blah, blah. So we did all the pre-formals. We did the formals. We did the after parties and we did the uni fundraisers. So like QUB Snow and everything like that. Yeah. And then from doing QUB Snow, we ended up doing, they flew us out to Val and we shot their after movie, mm -hmm. the video. So that was like a, a more of a step towards making videos because mm -hmm. we were kind of doing videos for the events and then we were doing videos for their QUB Snow. Mm -hmm. And then I realized like this events company, it was called Elephant Events, by the way. Um, you know, it was a good year, but then I realized I don't like drunk 18 year olds. Yeah. I was putting like earplugs in my ear to stand at the door, like giving response. Like this is not oh. what I really want to do. And even the uni ones, I was like, mm, not what I'm loving. So that was like what started me in business. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, any, like. I guess that's yeah you kind of learn quickly sort of like what you like you was there aspects of the, the sim though there was aspects of that role that you were actually enjoyed like if you were getting up to do a certain aspect of a role on a monday you would have got out of bed easily or on a monday whereas the likes of i'll be honest like i didn't like it yeah i didn't enjoy it i didn't enjoy night life as like a like a business yeah it was just it was loud. I sound like an old man here. Like, yeah. It was just not, and I wasn't like I was drinking. Yeah. I was yeah, like yeah. working. So I didn't love that. Um, but what, what I did like was making the, the movies, the videos, the after movies and, sh you know, putting that on social, making Snapchat videos and making, you know, these Snapchat filters that used to come out and yeah, making all yeah. of them. So I love the creative side of it, yeah. but I hated the nightlife. So I was like, how can I channel the creativity, but not do nightlife? And it, again, it just grew serendipitously. Like, uh, the bars would approach us. How did you feel a Tuesday? How did you feel a Wednesday? You know, normally we can't get anyone in here. Yeah. Oh, we just made a really cool video, like, you know, and right. put it on social media and everyone liked it. And then they all went to the next one. And like, oh yeah, 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 we know about that social media. Yeah, we need to get, we need to be put more energy there. Can you come and do a video for us? So I started doing videos. 
slinging like 300 quid videos. And what happened was they were taking the video but not really posting it properly. Do you know mm, what I mean? Yeah. yeah. They post it once and just leave it. Yeah. Whereas I was saying you need to be boost, back then like boosting posts. Yeah. Didn't really know what I was talking about, but I was kind of just, uh, you know, uh, I know yeah. that you need to do something more than just post it once. And that's where we started to explore paid advertising. Mm. What year was this all in? That, that 20, sort of 2016. 16. You're pretty early on that, like even back then. Yes, yeah, so I came home from traveling 20, well, the first big round that did like up until 2015. And then got into business shortly after that. I work for a social media company called Yik Yak. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that, again, like getting exposure to those guys, they're an American company. So always a little bit ahead of us. Yeah. I was able to pick up from them and kind of just like copy their models of just putting out content in university. Um, so that's, yeah, that's, I was early, but I, I was lucky. I was really lucky to get around those guys. Yeah. Which is, you know, yeah. That's why you should be traveling because you get around people who, yeah. who know shit. In terms of like the content side of things, like did you have much experience in like videography or anything or did you just sort of like take a chance and just start like shooting stuff on your phone or what way did they go there early? It, it's funny, again, like really early, my dad had a video camera and there's clips of me that we've saved to this day like of me filming me and my mates skateboarding at like 10 years old. Yeah. <laughs> I was just curious. And then whenever I was traveling, I was having GoPros because I always wanted to just document stuff. So I kind of just always did it, but I didn't really have a really good skill at it. I just liked watching those extreme sports videos and like those yeah. edits and like those Jay Alvarez videos and all that. And then just give it a crack when I was traveling, just put together a couple of edits. And then it's like everything, like I just won it. I didn't yeah. really, mm. I didn't have those skills perfectly. Yeah. I kind of crafted them over time. I think it's interesting now because like I think like people might sit there and want to do like the likes of filming or like creating content and they might feel like, oh, I need like a qualification to make money from this or whatever. Yeah, but like you can actually like hone your skill yourself. Like, yeah. especially now with like YouTube and stuff and all the sort of yeah. stuff you have online. Like, YouTube fact, University lads. Yeah. <laughs> you, you seem like someone who you know taking all of that into consideration even like aspects of the not entrepreneurial side of things like traveling and stuff you kind of seem like someone who just does it like there's no real sort of like a lot of people now i think and i think it's a lot of things that people are trying to focus on now online and and part of the whole selling thing is like don't be scared to just do what you want to do but the the truth of the matter is a lot of people are they're scared to like put themselves out there they're scared to try new things like you don't come across as someone who was I mean, that always something you've had like no. even from a younger age where you were like let's just go and to be honest i uh like i was a little bit anxious about coming on here like i said to you yeah. guys off camera like i have imposter syndrome like i don't think i should be getting interviewed on a podcast because i'm not i haven't made it yet like i haven't achieved the goal that i'm aiming for yeah we're kind of just on the path Oh, we'll, but, get, we'll get you back on whenever you do that to you, though. Yeah. So, remember, <laughs> remember us. We've got three years. <laughs> but it's, you're like, yeah, you jump into it. I'm more entrepreneurial, but I am creative. But I knew that to do this job, I needed better creatives. So I hired mm. them. So I hired, like, Jack, Matt, Amanda, the guys that work with us, because they're better creatives than me. But I knew, I mean, I'll touch on this quickly, like, what you said about you just got to do it, like, I was in a really bad accident. I don't really bring it up much, but I feel like that's that was the catalyst for me to go, life is too short. Yeah. yeah. You have to just do it. And whenever I was in a coma for three days, when I woke up from that coma, I was like, right, I'm going for it here. Yeah. I could die. Anyone can. And I know it's a wee bit morbid, like to even just bring it up, but I don't want to go down that direction. Yeah. 
But like, it's so true, lads. Like, you could literally, yeah. anything could happen. I don't want to say bad things, but anything can happen. It's not gonna, we're all gonna be all right. But live life as if it could. I think yeah. I think it's not to, not to go down that rabbit hole, but I think it's really easy. And a lot of people have even said to me and stuff as I've been growing up, it's like, oh, you don't want to, especially older people when they're sort of getting to that stage where it's like in that range. I feel like when you get to a certain age, you kind of think about um, sort of the idea of death more. And then people go, oh, you don't want to get to my age and look back and think, oh, I should have done that, I should have done that. So like you've had that kind of wake up call early so uh, you could see it as a very very bad thing which obviously by the sounds of it it was but obviously it's shaped yeah what you're doing now it did sh- and then I had a lot, like I was in a wheelchair because mm-hmm. like my legs were all broke but I was just sitting there like doing wheelies and I stuck <laughs> yeah. I stuck a GoPro to my wheelchair and I said nice. fly around and do little salt courses and then I would get my brother in the wheelchair and he would try and beat the time so like it's completely random, but it's like we were still being creative in yeah. the wheelchair, right? <laughs> so it's like, okay, yeah. I'm tied down here, but let's make a video out of it and yeah. put it on the internet. And we did, and it went viral. Yeah. And like we used to just do that shit all the time. So I think that was always in me, but then it just accelerated after that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. It's, it sounds well. We we've had a girl in Bernadette Higgins. Yeah, and she's, she's like I always see the stuff she's doing at the minute and it's like a massive inspiration for a lot of people 100%. because obviously like what happened to her was quite a dramatic thing but even getting her on the podcast and the way she talked about it so openly and like even little things like you're you're almost like scared to say stuff but like because you, you you're looking at her situation and you think about it in like such a negative way but she flips it on its head and it's so positive She's yeah. a legend. Like I love yeah. looking at mm-hmm. um, like at her stuff because it is inspiring. I think like if you can take something from any of this or any of her story, like yeah. I would just say like go for it. Yeah. And speaking of going for it, then life like media. Let's let's get into that. Yeah. Uh, so media marketing agency used to do the whole ecom growth thing, like ads, email, all of it as much as we could do. Creative. Then sort of last year. Like, I mean, I've pivoted this business like three times, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not, like, it looks good now, maybe from the outside looking in, but I can t- I know that it's not that good. Like, I know that there's so many places in this business that are broken that we're trying to fix and stick plasters on it. And, you know, you try and do one direction and then it breaks and, you know, you, you feel here, you feel there. But again, going back, just keep going. Like, we're now at this point where we've decided to strip back the business and we just do creative now. Mm-hmm. So it's ad creatives, videos, vlogs, like maybe you've seen some of the ones we did with the Global Titans guys, the athletes, or Nico, or, you know, some of the the uh, stat sports guys, like Harry Kane and that. That's all come from us deciding to just go niche specific yeah. on content, on creative, and try and become an expert at it. And we still a long way to go, but mm-hmm. I feel like we're going in the right direction because... We have we've eliminated all those other distractions yeah. and those little silver shiny shiny objects, yeah. you know. Well, like what were the, what were the moments like when like you just were trying something and it wasn't working? Like was it hard to sort of like pick yourself back up and be like, right, we need to go somewhere else here with us? Like you know. Yeah, it was hard because I felt like I wasn't a good businessman mm. because I I knew the mistakes I was making, but I sometimes didn't know how to fix them. And then the other thing that's hard, and I don't know enough people talking about it, or like you know. I had to pay my staff's wages no matter what every month. Yeah. But like if we have a down month, they're still getting paid first because I have to support their mortgages. 
and their dogs mm. and their partners and their shit that's coming up. We got cost of living crisis. They still have to mm. get paid first. So that's always on my mind. And it is difficult. Like, I don't know who's who's having this conversation, but I love to like dive into it with other people because sometimes it, I struggle with that. Yeah. You know, lying in bed being like, fuck, I have to make like at least two seals tomorrow because we're off track. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. no, it's interesting. Like whenever you are working a nine to five and you just take it for granted, oh, I ain't getting yeah. paid tomorrow. Like it's not, it's not a big deal, but like coming from your aspect of it. I guess that is the trade-off, you know, like, the nine to five, like, I don't have a problem with that at all. It's, you have made the decision that you're going to get the security, which some people need. Yeah. But then with, with the, the difficulties in being an entrepreneur and, you know, having to make it work for yourself, it might be more difficult, but I do feel like we get these moments which really reward us, like, the experiences, like going to Dubai with Floyd Mayweather, yeah. Tommy Fury. Like, I'll always be able to tell that story because it's, we took those risks, but it's not like it's, I don't want to, I definitely don't want it to make people think that it's like, oh, it's all great. Yeah. Everything's so amazing. Life's so awesome. Life is awesome, but it is hard. I think that's something like people don't realise, like with running a business, like my, my dad runs his own business. Like, and I think like, people don't realise how difficult it is. And like, like you're saying there, like it's, you're employing people, you're under pressure to pay people's wages and it's like on the outside it might look like the business is doing well and people are like oh like he's loaded you know like he's doing class but like they don't actually know what's happening like you know what I mean like it's it was stressful like but in the same token like if you're potentially wanting to work with us everything's fine yeah. we're a perfectly good business <laughs> yeah. and yeah. if you come to us we'll make a bloody good I think move. I think though even not to like to elaborate on that point, I think we've we've obviously had a call and stuff before this podcast, and like even the setup we've been chatting. Like you seem like someone who like you put you know whoever you're working with very much first, where it's like you're you're looking at obviously all the new stuff that's coming out, and you're like, like even I picked up on something that you said at the door there, where you were like, I'm I'm getting to know it because I want to I want to know it before I implement it. And that to me sounds like you're not you're not just someone who goes, Oh, here's a trend that's flying around, let's jump on that and try and swindle more money off someone. Like mm-hmm. you're actively going like, let's actually like research it, be an expert in it before we start pulling other people in, which kind of shows a bit of like a care where if you are a client off yours, you're not gonna turn around and lead them down this really like dark, strange alleyway where you don't even know what you're doing, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So no, I appreciate you saying that because, you know, it is it is true. We I guess you're talking about the AI there. Yeah. Everyone's jumping on this See, AI I didn't want to say AI because then I didn't want that you to be like, don't talk about that, our competitors will be listening. <laughs> that, like, AI is coming. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Everyone yeah. better be ready for it. Yeah. And that's what I'm Someone's doing. I'm being ready for seats, it. Someone's like, rigging up their manager, like, here, flipping balls on here, talking about AI, we need to get on this. AI is, ca- is happening yeah. and I just want to be ready. So I've been playing with the tools. Yeah. And that's what we were talking about before this. Like, I'm not going to come out and start pitching AI yet. Yeah. Because I want to be really confident on what is the value at here. Yeah. I think it's early. Like, we're just getting a tease of it. Yeah. But it's the same, you know, the other example is TikTok. Like, we've been on TikTok since 2018. We grew our TikTok to, like, 45K followers before we started shouting yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, and saying this is an, an actual viable option. Yeah for your business yeah. as, like as social media marketers yeah but it's 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 a refreshing and a side off it to hear that like the likes of you know comments like that where you're like i want to get to know it before i start implementing it because there is so much noise i feel anyway like we're like me and tommy are both in marketing and even like you know even yourself like like shay and stuff like obviously you're not in marketing but like doing this podcast you're in tune with all like 
promotional and social media and stuff and there's yeah. so much noise out there where people are like hire me I'm your social media consultant I know it all and you're like you can't like th- that's your first mistake you can't know it all exactly you, you know what I mean and, and there's so much <laughs> leading people being led astray if you know what I mean and it's just it's it's cool to hear but it's the hustlers like uh, you know how many calls I get on it's like we've been burned by an agency before yeah. that's their line and I hear all the time people get burned by agencies because they think they're an agency because they set up Facebook ads, mm. but they don't know marketing. And then similarly, you've got the old school marketers who know marketing, but they don't know Facebook ads, but they're trying to deliver yeah. Facebook ads. And that's like, those are our competitors. Like we're dealing with people who are selling the service that we offer, mm-hmm. but they're like, I don't want to say con artists, like, but they haven't figured it out for themselves yet. Yeah, I think there's people that could at like getting you in the door, but when it comes to the results, like I worked with like an agency I was selling like running like an e-com store for gym stuff and I got like ones in to do like the Google ads because like I sort of knew Facebook ads but didn't know much Google and like then I went and got an odd job in the agency and like beforehand that agency wasn't like running Google shopping or anything and you sort of start learning all the things that like people then they didn't have a clue and you're spending all this money like yeah it's just it's we were sort of chatting about it today like there's ones yeah. in marketing especially that it's so broad marketing, like digital marketing is almost like a separate thing. Like, and then you have your sort of general marketing, like events and all this here. Like, it's so broad. Yeah, yeah. people are like, Mark, you're right. Marketing is like this thing, and then inside of marketing, you got digital, and then inside of digital, you got social, yeah. and then inside of social, you got TikTok, Facebook, Pinterest. You know, yeah. all of it. But you're right. Like, we were spending money, and we were in uncharted territory. Like, we had one of the boxing events. I'll not say which promotion, but we did a few of them, and one of them. We physically couldn't spend enough money because we were getting profitable acquisition on the pay-per-view. Mm. A pay-per-view is 100% margin, right? Six ninety-nine doesn't cost anything to because it's already a fixed cost. Yeah. So if we were we had clearance from the guys, if we were able to to land new buyers at four pounds or less, continue to spend, and we got to the point where we had completely maxed out the business's credit card, we'd maxed out the director's credit cards. And then we maxed out my own personal credit card. Like mm-hmm. I put it on TikTok. We're spending up to 20, 20 grand a day just trying to get as much physical buys as possible. Yeah. And this is completely on charted territory. Like we never spent that kind of money. And then now we can say we've done it and we've been there and we know what it looks like. But at the time, we were so scared. Like I was taking my own personal Amex on there being like, yeah. Fingers crossed, but mate, fucking got shit loads of points off it. So, yeah. <laughs> right, who, who, you've worked with a lot of big brands and like big names as well. Like you'd sort of mentioned it there, like Floyd Mayweather, Tommy Fury. And I feel like I didn't want to start the podcast off by just like sort of dishing all that out because it kind of, you're getting into the juicy bit like 30 seconds in. So, like, we'll come to it now. I feel like people have waited long enough. <laughs> I hope no one's dropped off. Now. Like, yeah. yeah. But like, I'm interested, I know before I ask the question, who was like, the first brand or first person, first, you know, point of contact that you were maybe sitting in this office or at home or whatever, you were like, holy moly, this is massive. Like, was there a brand that got in contact with you to do work or you're like, this is big? Like, uh, good question. So are you asking me like, there was a moment where I go, oh, we're actually doing real real shit here yeah or? I would no I would more say I think everybody asks some people ask the question on the podcast where it's like oh when's the moment where you knew you made it I kind of like more mm. if you're obviously doing what you're doing and then this you got an email like I've no 
I know like there's been times where we've been doing the podcast or whatever and like an email's come through from like a brand and you're like holy moly like we want to work with you and you're like holy moly that, that's decent like was there <laughs> any of that time for you Ula? yeah I mean me and my brother run the company right yeah so he's a good bit younger six years younger than me and we our old office was out the back of my dad's house mm-hmm. and I remember we did uh, I can't say the brand name right but they're a big really bigger than what we could handle at the time yeah skincare brand in london right and for some reason they we had a connection there and they're like we were we, it was actually uh, in the middle of the pandemic we were posting about you know you need to be doing this you need to be doing that and they're like oh yeah we've decided we're going to implement this can you you know send us a proposal i was like oh jack you know we've, we've <laughs> so i sent a proposal I'm like yeah we're going to go ahead and we're going to do it and you know like, how much is it and we didn't even know how to price ourselves to a brand like that so we definitely underpriced ourselves, yeah. but that's when we were like, okay, not only is this a really big brand, but they own like half of the London, phys- these physical stores. Yeah. They own all these other brands. Like if we do a good job here, we could really land it. And we did a good enough job, but you know, not, we didn't, if we were operating today, yeah. it would be a different story. Yeah. But I think then <clears throat> was when we probably decided that we needed really take this super serious because there's opportunity there so you had early you'd sort of early a a taster of what it was like to work with a like a big brand yeah and what it was like to have like corporate structure that we had to deal with and like send briefs and everything get cleared by all these Mm -hmm. like these levels of people and we're just like no no this is social media this isn't a fucking billboard campaign like let's just go wild with it let's just run it Let's gorilla it, and there, there, it wasn't happening. It was so, <laughs> the box was so strictly, you know, constructed yeah. that we couldn't move, yeah. and we didn't like it. But yeah. it was a good opportunity. Was that sort of like an eye opener in terms of like the opportunities, like you know, because yeah. I think, like one thing we sort of wanted to touch on was like I think over here in Northern Ireland, like people maybe might be a bit more small minded, and like looking at the likes of you working on these big brands, and I suppose we'll get into it a bit more now, but like. Like working with the likes of like shooting with Harry Kane and Phil Foden, like, you know, is it not moments like that you're like, holy fuck, like you know? Definitely, working with Harry Kane was one of the biggest moments in my career because <clears throat> I remember whenever we were standing there waiting and waiting and waiting on him for hours to come out, and then whenever he came out, his like energy was insane, you know. I'm like, yeah. you're like the pinnacle of British sport, and you're right here, and you're a tall specimen of an athlete. And you could just feel that. And he was so pleasant. I was like, whoa. <clears throat> and then that moment to shoot him, we only had like, it's time to the minute. We had like nine minutes in this one area. And then we had Seriously? seven minutes on the next area. It was built. And then we had like 20 minutes to do a Q&A with him because it was like that. It was so strict, but it was incredible. And then once we were able to, you know, get that job done and it was really successful, the next ones became even more enjoyable. So then we got to do Phil Foden and we were much more relaxed then because we really yeah. did high key in. And Phil Foden is just a boy. Like whenever we actually ended up waiting for him for hours as well. He and, and then whenever he arrived, he got, he bought a Nando's. So we had to sit there and wait for him to eat his Nando's. And then eventually he came out in his jacket and he had a mug of tea. And in between every shot, he was just going to his little like assistant. He'd give him a tea and he would drink his tea. <laughs> And then he would do the shot and then he'd put his jacket back on and drink more of his tea. And then like one of the photos over there is me and him yeah. playing ball. So we were just doing keep-uppies together and just having a crack. Like he's a 22-year-old 
like he's a little smick, do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> he's, a, he's a legend. Yeah. He's got a kid and all. Yeah. A couple probably. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was just that those are the moments I was like, this is what we do now for yeah. work. And it was it That's was really wild. special. Yeah. Um so yeah, there's been moments those those are the moments this is probably a better answer to your question before, like that last answer was the first time we got yeah. a big opportunity, but this is like, these are the best opportunities. And then, yeah. of course, we can dive into the boxing if you want, but that was different altogether. And like, what is it like? Like you sort of mentioned <laughs> it there, like your strict timeline on like one of the best footballers in the world. Like, is it not like, is it hard to sort of be like, right, fuck, we're working here. We need to turn it on. Like, do you know what yeah. I mean? It was very scary. I went like bright red and yeah. like almost froze because I had to do a face to camera with him where I was asking him questions and yeah. then he was answering them. But I had to bring energy so that he would reply with energy because yeah. he only had one shot. And to be fair, he was good. Um, but it was that we'd, we'd rehearsed it and all. Like yeah. We'd practice it with dummies and, you know, to, <laughs> to make sure we knew what we were doing. And it, it, it went wrong at the start because... Um, I think I can say all this now because it's all out. At the start, he was negotiating his Nike contract and it was just before the World Cup. And for some reason, he hadn't closed the deal on his Nike contract and he was wearing a Nike top. So in the shot, he had to take the stat sports bib, uh, bib off. Mm -hmm. And as he took it off, remember how much time we only have? His, his manager goes, no, 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 we can't show the Nike badge. And I just froze and I looked and I knew the time's going to and I'm like looking at the guy, like, what do we do? And it's like, just keep going. And I was like, right, okay, kept going. He had to put the vest back on. And you know, we're doing like those TikTok transitions, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Where it goes from like vest to no vest, the all you know, yeah. the clothing getting built on in transitions. So it actually ended up messing half the transitions because of this vest. Mm -hmm. Because because this whole night contract was in the air. Yeah. But at the time we're like, oh, it's fine. Like obviously Nike isn't gonna let their biggest star go before the World Cup. That's yeah. what we were thinking. Yeah, but the assistant yeah, yeah. was like, no, we can't do it. This isn't going to air until, yeah. you know, months down the line. We can edit it out, but no, we can't do it. Yeah. So, oh and they just threw that in live in the middle of our eight minute slot. <sighs> That'll be a night. I'd freak out. Yeah. Oh, that would be my... I did freak out. That's mental, I guess. I'd pass away. It <laughs> threw me off completely <laughs> yeah. for the whole thing. But, you I'd, know... I'd try and make up some BS. Like, oh, it's grand. Like, we'll put a Lonsdale logo over the top of it. Like, it'll be grand. Like, <laughs> like, cool. We'll fix it in post. It's oh. fine. Yeah. That's madness. Um, go on. I want to dive into the boxing. Yeah. Because that's a massive one. Like, that's crazy. So you basically... <clears throat> Can we talk about the whole... Like, because you were sort of saying to us, you flew over a week in Dubai. Like, like it's, that sort of start there. Like, what yeah. was it like when well, you first flew over? That's the end. Because, like, I'll, I'll speed through really quickly because, again, these jobs, these aren't the kind of jobs you get from just, like, running a Facebook ad. Like, yeah. we only got that because of what we'd done up to that point. So we did the first one, which was Showstar, which was, like, Soul Pappy and all those boys. Was that the one where Simple si <laughs> the, the all the TikTok ones, like Simple Simon? That was the next one. Right, okay. So that was Kingpin. So because we did a good job, we did a pretty good job on Showstar. Then we got Kingpin. Kingpin, we did a really good job on. And then we got Wicked and Bad, which was the Iranian Hulk. I fought, and it, was, it flopped, like it was shite, to be fair. The Kingpin one was great. That was all Ed yeah. Matthews, um, yeah. all those TikTok stars, El Brook. What was that like? Because I think from the outside looking in, that's sort of like, this is a bit of a fucking circus here. Like, you know, like what was it like working on it? You know, when it was a circus and I was like, I didn't love, I don't love those guys. Like I don't follow those guys myself. Yeah. So I was kind of learning like, the beef and everything, and, you know, Simple Simon and his daughter and all that there. 
it's all a bit wild, but it's all young audience, like yeah. 14 year old, 16 year old boys, like going mad for it. And then Ed, Ed and fucking, what can I even tell the story here? Like at the end of the fight, Ed bounced out of the ring and him and uh, HS Tiki Talkie, they were just going <laughs> mad with the crowd, like getting them to slabber at like Simple Simon, all cried, like they had them in the palm of their hand. And they were just going so crazy that they went out to do their interviews. And Ed still had his boxing gloves on, no top, covered in sweat, and his shorts and his boxing boots. And they did the interviews, did the interviews, and HS had like lined up this after party. They ended up walking out the door, out of the stadium. He's still in his boxing gloves, still fully, <laughs> fully sweating. <laughs> then he gets, and then next minute, we're like, right, he's gone. He's actually left the building. We look on his Instagram story. And he's in a limo with all these girls grinding on him. Next minute, his next Instagram story, he's in the club, still in his shorts, no. still in his boxing, his hands are wrapped, like, yeah. and he's doing balls. And he's off his, like, right, edit whatever you want here, like, he's off his nut. Yeah. And those boys are just going on a rampage. And I think, I don't know when they even wrapped that up, but... That's what that event was like. That's mental, man. Okay. Them in the gloves in the club. <laughs> yeah, he was still, yeah, they were in like sports gear. Like. <laughs> That's mad. That's um, crazy. So getting back on track, the Kingpin went well, Wicked and Bad didn't really. And then Global Titans happened. So we got the word from one of the guys that we were working with before that that was going to be happening and to potentially throw our name in the hat. So we did a proposal. We said we were going to do a full marketing plan. And we pitched it and we, we we knew there was going to be Floyd and like to get Floyd, we knew it was going to be more than 10 million to get him to fight. Yeah. We knew Deji was going to be big. So we knew there was a lot of money involved. We didn't know who was backing it. And eventually they, they I needed to, to make a price. So I went really high, like super highballed it. And then the person who was also pitching for it went, let's say regular or low. And I think they basically came back and were like, yeah, these must be the guys because they've priced it like a big professional agency where these other guys have just priced it at like a couple of grand. Yeah. So yeah. they picked us, but then what they did was they beat us down on price. Yeah. So they kept beating us down, beating us down. <clears throat> and then- This is Floyd, like Floyd Mayweather stuff. Like Floyd Money expect, Mayweather. Yeah, you would expect him to walk in and mental. go, no bat, no Yeah, bat. they have all the money, but they're just stingy. Like. But it's yeah. even <laughs> the fact that you like getting that job, like it's mad. Because remember when I first met you, like we were chatting about it and I was like, like you, you'd almost think there's like some big agency in LA or something doing it. And I was like, this is fucking mental. Yeah. I, always, I would love to know, like, did like we knew some of the guys because we did the other fights before, and because they were successful, yeah. they were like, "Well, they know what to do." So yeah. they must have thought we were a big agency, and because we priced it at what would probably be a big agency rate, then that that probably cemented it. You know, like yeah. anchored mm -hmm. anchored them, and then what we did was because we were getting beat down in price, we're like, "Right, that's fine, but fly us out." Me, Jack, our media buyer Adam, fly us out, put us up, and we'll like also shoot content and we ended up getting out for the whole week and um, we worked every day but it was great work like at first I was going to be filming Floyd as his like personal videographer but That's crazy. Floyd honestly is like like he was really standoffish like you couldn't get he would sit in the car until the last minute and mm -hmm. then he'd, he'd be very late and he's not approachable you can't get on with him yeah. and it just wasn't very good vibes but then there was also Tommy Tommy Fury so whenever we got some shots of him, I sent it to his manager and made a quick reel. They weren't even on TikTok. So we made a quick TikTok for them. I sent it back to Matt here and Matt put the TikTok uh, reel together and I sent it to his manager 
and I said, put that on TikTok. And he got 40,000 followers in the first minute. Like, not minute, oh, like the man. first video, his first brand new TikTok. So then, that you know, you only have a few minutes at a time with these guys. So yeah. every minute that I was there, I was trying to, like, not be, like, a douche or be, like, in their face, but just trying to subtly fly on the wall, add a little bit of value. And then I got tight with the manager, and then I got to, you know, have a good few conversations with Tommy. That Then they invited me to their midnight workout because he was trying to acclimatize to when the fight was going to be. So I got to go to the house, had the tunes on, film the fight. Like before that even, like I got to pick them up from the airport. So I got these little moments to build a relationship, build some rapport that they trusted me enough to bring him to his villa. Yeah. And then meet John Fury, who's hilarious. So again, each of these little interactions, it was just like money in the bank, you know, as like yeah, yeah. to getting more in and in. And then we got to do the radio show with them and then just earn their trust. And then after I got to get into the, the change room post fight and meet Molly May and just have like be one of their little crew that week. Mm-hmm. So I was able to identify that it's a better relationship to build with him mm-hmm. versus Floyd because Floyd is not, I'm never going to work with Floyd again. Yeah. But now that we have those connections with the Furies and they're only in Manchester, yeah. yeah, and we are still talking to the manager right now. There's more opportunity to work with those guys. Yeah, well, because even now you hear at this present moment in time, there's a there's rumors that the well for the third time him and Jake Paul's going to fight. I have the exclusive. Oh, do you? Actually? I actually do. <laughs> I have two exclusives. Nice. Can you? Help? Can I do you them? Well, this might be going what? out for a couple of weeks. Like, <laughs> I guess could be going out mid Feb end of Feb, maybe. Let me cut out whatever. Like, yeah, let just me fucking do, say it. <laughs> <laughs> we need to know. Let me, let me do. I will give you it. <laughs> let me look at as the soon as I know I'm allowed to do it because <laughs> yeah. again, like I just explained, this is a relationship building game. Yeah, mm. and it that takes a long, good. long time to build yeah. it. It takes a long, long time to build a reputation and a relationship. We, we wake up on Tuesday, we wake up on Friday morning and Tommy, John, John Fury's followed us. Like, oh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> I'm a bare knuckle man. <laughs> that would be mad. But what, like, that was pretty smart though. Like you kind of, like, because most people I feel like would arrive there see like, Floyd Mayweather and immediately be like Stop that's where the money's yeah. at yeah like it's so funny because now you, you hear like so him fighting Logan Paul and stuff and like Logan Paul's obviously saying he didn't get paid and like he's kind of being like caught out like where a lot of people would go out and be like that's where the money's at it's Floyd money Mayweather like we're obviously yeah. you he know spends a lot of money but he, on himself like you know what I mean? yeah. yeah and what was it what was it like sort of meeting the likes of um, his name's completely left. Andrew Tate Oh yeah, I forgot about him. <laughs> Let's get this podcast cancelled. Like, were, yeah. were you chatting to him Jeez. for long? Like, or was it just sort of like all oh, well, loud type of thing? It was. A, it was a little bit because uh, <laughs> he little was <laughs> he was ringside, right? Yeah. So, and it was my side that I was covering. Uh-huh. So in between, ev- like every fight, you've got the round. Yeah. We're able to just like. Let's say this sounds stalkerish, but I was able to like observe them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like I was saying to you a minute ago, every minute is like money in the bank to actually get a chance to break the the barrier and the trust. So it was kind of not being a fucking weirdo and coming straight up and getting the selfie. And then eventually I was able to meet Tristan, the brother, and shake his hand, just be like, here, great to see you here. How's it going? That sort of stuff. And then uh, Andrew was actually using his phone the whole time and not looking around him not looking at anyone turns out he was actually playing chess and I didn't know if he was doing that for part of his like personal brand you know he's like a chess master or was he doing it because he just didn't want to have interaction but again because I was able to speak to Tristan 
and was kind of hanging around a wee bit. Then he was, I was able to get his attention, shake his hand, say a couple things that, you know, I don't know what your viewers' opinion is on Andrew. Like, I'm not going to make too many, like, comments about it. But, you know, I was able to chat to him very briefly. Yeah. And then, but still be around and then still, like, in between, you know. Yeah. Uh, in between each round, like be able to engage with those guys with the same intention of let's engage a little bit here and there and here and there, not be annoying yeah. mm -hmm. that we could potentially build some kind of relationship. Like I'm yeah. all the while I'm getting loads of content, yeah. I'm getting shots of him, getting shots of Tristan, thinking that's going to put together a reel. And then, you know, Hey, just before he's leaving you, I got some good content there. You know, give me a flick over a reel, give me your number or whatever. And I didn't do that because he ended up getting absolutely hounded by a lot of people and he left. Yeah. He mm. left before the Floyd fight. But, um, yeah, he did. Wow. What do you mean? Like, how ended? Was it just the crowd? He, or just even celebrities were coming up to him and, like, Same everyone thing. was just taking turns, like, almost like a cue to just shake his hand. That's mental. And I was watching it because it was on my side of the ring and I was like, that's annoying for every, anyone. Yeah. Even if you're, like, a major celebrity, like, that's annoying. So he ended up just being like, I can't fucking take this and he asked for another seat and he left. It's interesting as well with like the whole Tommy Fury thing, the way you're saying you're like sort of trying to add a bit of value, like you're sort of switched on. Like, I think it's hard, like, how do you know when to like, you know, get your foot on the door and not because like you're saying there, like they probably have people coming up but looking stuff yeah. all the time. Yeah. It's sort of like easing your way in there to sort of show, no, I'm not just like locking something off you. That's it. It is just a little bit at a time. Yeah. Don't be annoying, show value. Mm. we show value like why would they need me around them they literally wouldn't they got every resource in the world but because I was sending them literal content and they're in the content game they thought we were valuable and they're sending some signed boxing gloves over and we're going to get them put up around the air with the, so, with yeah. the jerseys yeah, yeah. but do you have any tips for like approaching someone if you want to like present yourself and a positive <laughs> to someone who wants to try a roundabout way Shay's saying can you contact Tommy Fury and see if he wants to come on the podcast <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> uh, just don't be a douchebag like don't be a douchebag just tr do little bits at a time as if you've been in that position before mm -hmm. yeah mm. you know don't look like a fanboy don't ask for a selfie don't be like that yeah. hang around like a fly in the wall then see an opportunity yeah to, to again always thinking about what you can offer for them because there's yeah. no way like, yeah, if you want to get your photo, just get your photo and get out. But that's not going to be a, a relationship. Yeah. Uh, it's also, uh, I think that's so interesting the way you're looking at it there. Because like, you, you, you so easily could have been like, oh, Tommy Fury, John Fury, let's get a photo and that's it. Like. But then it's like being so like, there's an opportunity here for me, you know. Yeah, and we do that in the business. You know, like some of our favorite clients, the coffee that we've been drinking today, London Nootropics, that mushroom coffee, those guys from Dragon's Den, they were really successful. But they were doing like pretty basic to I would say poor advertising yeah and I just hit up your man and I was like hit him a couple of DMs like let's just send me some of your product and I'll show you what is yeah. working right now because yeah. you've spent this money and we know what's working and he's like yeah great got on a call ended up buying a content pack off us and then more and now we're working in a working relationship got a call again with him next week to see what else we can do together mm -hmm. it's just doing little bits of value at a time yeah I think one thing we always find it's hard is like when you're Obviously, for us, it's trying to get people on the podcast and talk. Like, actually, it's getting your foot in through the door to actually be like, do you want to come on and have a chat? And, like, we always find, like, we obviously send 
DMs and then you've email and all that out there, but it just feels like you, you know, I think you can just know when you send a DM to someone in particular that like you're going to go, yeah, we're not hearing back from these people. Like, yeah. I think it's so hard to try and get people's attention because obviously they're flooded with like all these requests. Like, do you want to come on our podcast or? Uh, it has to be genuine, it has to be authentic. It has to be like, what is their last post? And then, oh, here, saw you did that. That's, that's epic, you know? Yeah. And you're not trying, it's like dating, like you're not trying to fuck on the first date or whatever, yeah. like, or you're not trying to get married in the first date is what they say, like, yeah. Yeah. have a chat, you know, go on a couple of dates, blah, 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 yeah. build up that relationship, and then do your ask. Yeah. So it was like Gary V says like jab, jab, right hook or whatever, it's yeah. him, and like if you're trying to get an ask, a couple of bits of conversation, something really personal, something mm. that's actually happening, yeah. being authentic, and then boom, ask. Strike. <laughs> Strike when it, like when is like sort of the opportunity there like with the likes of Tommy Fury when you sort of like right well like you, there's only so much you can give them for free before it's like right well you know I need something in return here. yeah pretty much or so. share my content well yeah. it's funny because the guy asked me even yesterday and we were following up today because we put the the vlog live which if you haven't seen it go check it out can I plug that you know yeah. <laughs> plug the vlog uh, whenever we put it out he messaged me and he said. This this clip between like six minute this six minute that can I have it? And I was like yeah absolutely like if Tommy shares our vlog, and he goes oh you're really busy with Jake and with the baby. I was like no 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 he's not too busy to share our vlog. Yeah, yeah. you're his manager like you're doing business. There's someone who probably works for him that could yeah. do it like you know yeah, exactly. But he actually does manage his own socials which I yeah. think isn't a good idea. Um, so I was like you could definitely. He's like I can't make any promises. He's like but if you give me that clip he might use it and then he'll mention you. And I was yeah. like right we'll do that. But we are talking about going over and doing um, like day in the lives, yeah, mm. um, with them training and everything. So there's a few things coming up. I love them. Like they're sick. Like, yeah, we started doing them. You should do them. You guys should actually do them. Like this is what I was thinking when we were here. Like there's so much. My whole day today was great, and I got some content because I we were interviewing for a new role, and it's just exciting to do that. So I was documenting that. We had some meetings, and then we have this. Mm. We also had one of the guys come in and do a testimonial for us. So these are all little things that are behind the scenes that you should be documenting. Yeah. Stick it into we reel and put it out there. Mm. And we since we did it with a few of our staff, we're getting good reception. Like people are oh, commenting, yeah. being I'm like, Oh, your brother does no work. And it's like, <laughs> Yeah, but that you know, that's just building a relationship I suppose with people as well, like like letting it? them see inside. Yeah, it is like that. That's mm. sick. So I suppose we've we've obviously delved a bit into the beginning and the middle and now, but like what's next? AI. AI, <laughs> chat GPT. Where do you see it going? Like in terms, of even like marketing or content type of, like in the industry. Like, what do you sort of see happening with it? Like, I mean, I feel like most people thought that the safest jobs were going to be the creatives, and like the jobs that were going to go first would be like, you know, the lawyers and all. Like, you could just write contracts. Mm. But I feel like the creatives are at risk because you can write copy and you can come up with like you, they can write full books, they can write movies. Um, but I think, for me, my long-term goal, I don't want to give too much away because this is a genuinely long-term goal, creative AI, like, you know, built into these ad platforms. Um, that's something that I'm looking at in the future, future. Because like, mm. if you try and get in right now for a quick buck, like what you were saying, Ross, like, yeah. that's not going to be a long-term play for you because it's yeah. just going to be, like, people are just going to sling, you know, copy services that they use with to write uh, these chat GPT to write it but I'm thinking like what platforms 
are going to be existing in five years' time that we yeah. could potentially play on. The photo so, thing was interesting. A couple of what happened like a month ago, where everyone was doing the AI photos. Yeah, I yeah. suppose it was a bit of a fad. Like it's sort yeah. of yeah. Thing, like, but like it was basically like people had rights to your f- image like the image you put in like the platform had the rights to your photos they basically had your identity like yeah and, like in the fucking like terms and conditions you signed up to and all it was mental did like. you do it I didn't do it no I, I didn't did you <laughs> you're fucked I seen a tiktok on it and I was like fuck it's like when you actually look into it it's like fuck like, you're just sort of clicking buttons and thinking nah no what like Can the they machines just- are coming for you <laughs> There's going to be clones of me, me in there. Well, I mean, like, th- this is the other thing. Like, my sister's like, I'm not getting TikTok because, like, China's stealing your yeah. data. I'm like, fuck, your data's everywhere. Like, your phone oh, is my. in your pocket. Like, uh, this this pisses me off. See, whenever people go down this and start saying, like, oh, they're stealing my data, China's listening to me and all. Like, I worked fl- in a flim phone shop Good for the four. For the four <laughs> up. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Oh I worked in a phone so shop I. for like four years and at the time we were selling Huawei. Huawei were like yeah. massive. Everybody was going to Huawei and every single person were coming in like one week and they were like, lad, I don't even know why you're on iPhone anymore because Huawei is just so much better. And then the whole thing happened where Trump came out and was like, it's China, China's listening to Ch- you and all China. this. Thing. It's China. <laughs> and then it's the next minute these people were coming in like, I'm returning this. And you're like, you can imagine Balamina, like I'm returning this. I don't, want, I don't want the Chinese listening to me, and I'm like, love, like, do you think, do you think the chi- Chinese people are sitting going, oh, here's Barbara out hanging up her washing and flipping oh, no. Portland home, and oh, I'm people, really interested in what she's talking about. The opted out of the ad tracking really annoy me. Obviously, especially in advertising, is yeah, it? it annoy me in advertising, but it's like your feed is curated for you and that's why your experience in social is so good if you don't want that you're like let's say guys like us we don't want to see you know barbie doll houses that are targeted to like women who have kids like we don't want to see that shit we want to see the things that we like and the sports that we're into and all that and the people that opt out they're just going to get like it might not be too bad but i want to be advertised to because we're going to be advertised to no matter what with mm-hmm. things that yeah. I'm genuinely interested in because I buy stuff online you know what I mean yeah I think that's what I know and especially from like an advertising perspective like people don't realise like like they don't really know what it is like that, like it was beneficial to them because they're getting targeted with ads that like suit their needs and their interests like, yeah. yeah but then taking that away amazing but so in terms of what what's next for you is the whole AI stuff like at the okay that was me just going like really far in the future but what's next for life like definitely more creative work with you know uh, e-commerce brands you know those the ones that we consume like CPG brands like um, sports health and wellness like we love that stuff stuff that we're interested in and we use ourselves like I know it's talked about the coffee but some of the things that are on these shelves we use that and we love that. So we want to be working mm-hmm. more like that um, and then potentially scale those brands up, take a little bit of equity in them as well because we're giving that value across ads, email, content. And then, you know, let's see what happens. I've got, get, you know, got a three-year timeline and then I'm probably going to be looking at an exit. Because I know yes. I don't want to do agency my whole entire life, but probably do an exit. And then depending on the state of the world, like it's going a bit mad. Mm-hmm. Either fuck off the Maldives and live there you know, off grid, <laughs> or uh, so dodgy that you or that. do AI. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll just see what happens. Like just sitting in Maldives and like dial up internet and all. Yeah. Yeah, we got to that's and that's why I need to go traveling because we got a brilliant connection out there. Uh, great guy. And if anyone wants to go to Maldives, hit me up. I'll sort you out with a brilliant trip. We just did it there, and that's what I wanted to do. You know, maybe give some attention to the ocean. 
save yeah. some sharks, be a nature <laughs> I think, boy. I think it's sick as well. You know, obviously you've worked with people, like people who we are obviously sitting here going, flip, that's, that's mad. Who, is there anybody who you would like to work with? Is there anybody who you'd be like gunning for that if you had the opportunity, you would? I have two brands that are in my dream brand list. Okay, who So one is Rolex. I'd love to work yeah. with Rolex directly. Right. And then other is Lego. Lego. Yeah, because in my mind, I've got some really good marketing campaigns for Lego for adults, right? Yeah. Because Lego for adults is bigger than Lego for kids. Yeah. And Don't even know that Lego for that's adults. That's all like Star Wars <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Like all the Star Wars shit, yeah. like the globes, yeah. like everything. Can yeah. the Lego not get you in there with Rolex? <laughs> like, what's going on? <laughs> Rolex hit Lego now, probably. Yeah. Blue. He's been oh, slapping that, which I don't want. Like, big up Rolex because I like got some investments in, I in Rolex. I see you're wearing a Rolex. Huh? I'm wearing, this is my, I got this on the anniversary of my business. For me, I'll never sell this one. Yeah. But I got some other uh, nice pieces that I bought as investments. Yeah. Storage of wealth to yeah. potentially grow. And then the watch market crashed. But also Nico out there ripping out Rolex. I'm like, bro, stop saying Chill. <laughs> Tell everyone how great they are. Yeah. Stop. I didn't realize, like, you sort of started chatting to me about watches, but, like, yeah. if you buy a Rolex, like, is it a second hand or something? You can't buy it. It takes yeah, you off the like, list or something? Yeah. We, like, my dad... Um, retired there recently and he wanted to buy a watch as like his retirement and like he went we went into a watch shop in Belfast not Nico's one it was a watch shop in Belfast and um, basically <laughs> uh, just, just to plug this here uh, but yeah they were like it's like a two three year waiting list for the one he wanted and then your mom was actually saying like oh there's a lot of people buy and then they like immediately go down the road and sell it to the likes of yep. Nico or whatever for me yeah uh, for like profit but yeah. then there's something where you can't then rolex take you off some list where you can't actually buy it again because i don't know you I can't like buy it like yeah, directly off because it's all every watch is a serial number so if you're on a list which is correct you will take you a long time to yeah. get a rolex watch um and then if the ad the authorized dealer sees that you're just flipping watches yeah. they don't want to flip they, they want to sell to particular people people yeah. who spent money in their shop people, people who love customers. watches yeah and then you know there's, it has its pros and its cons. It's like you need to yeah. spend this much money before we get you something good. So mm. I know. Yeah. It's it is a it is a so, who you know as well kind of marketplace. So Rolex and Lego. Lego's a good one. Like Lego. So imagine we could do. I got Lego for Christmas and I didn't <laughs> know I was getting it. I was like, lad, that's sick. That is. Sick. <laughs> See, for like mindful, like yeah. that's another big thing that I think is important. Like the because we're yeah. always connected. Like I'm always on the ball. Like do, 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 do business, whatever. Yeah. See, just putting the phone away and building a Lego. Like. Yeah. I walked into Tesco the other day, completely ad hoc conversation, walked into Tesco the other day and seen 007 Aston Martin DB5 Lego yeah. set. Yeah, that's it. 129 <laughs> RRP down to 65. I was like, <laughs> could be tempted. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. I was, what, I was what, what, what about you lads? Like, I know this, this is your podcast, you're interviewing me, but what about you? Like, where do you see this podcast going? Because that's, you know, you've, got, if you'd you've built it, something great so If you'd asked us this question a couple of weeks ago, I think I know what the answer would have been. Yeah. It's, hard, it's hard to know. It's so hard, like, because yeah. I think, like, it's sort of towards the end of last year, just to be honest, like, you we were just like, like, where is this going? We are trying to do two episodes a week, like. Yeah. And stuff for the sake of doing it, like, it was... And we didn't think the stuff was good, like. like I remember yeah. we had a chat and I was just like, like that podcast shit. Like, yeah. we just felt like we were putting out stuff for the sake of it. It was then. a repetition of negativity. And then eventually, yeah. I think it took me to break and say to you, I remember calling Tommy one night and was just like, lad, 
I don't I don't want to do this anymore and he was just like same <laughs> and then we all were just like listen let's just take a break at this and see because this podcast started off as like with the best intention of like we never wanted to and I think we've realized this recently and it's kind of counterintuitive as to what we're doing we never wanted to promote ourselves like us three we wanted to, like we almost got we were using the platform to promote other people and then it got to the stage where we stripped back having guests on started doing more solo episodes because they were easy to do and you could pump out content all yeah. the time but then it got to the stage where it was like the limelight was solely on I know this sounds really counterintuitive but like us three mm. and it was like there's a lot of pressure with that and I think you see it a lot in Northern Ireland at the minute like people like certain people and all they're like they're big on social media well they're big on social big-ish on social media and it's just like you can kind of find that they kind of lose their way a little bit yeah. whereas I don't know where this is going to be honest I can't I think we've just talked about a time just to start a look at what we want to do and I think like we sort of mentioned it back at the sp- before we started recording is like because when we started out nobody really knew us we sort of had to be a bit more creative with our guests so like we were sort of like oh who has a good story but like we were doing these episodes and like ha- like enjoying them so much more because yeah. it was like an interest even like the likes of today like talk chatting to you but like getting people like Jawbox, your boy Jerry, Jerry owns yeah. Jawbox Gin, yeah, like, and like things like that, like talking to people that maybe don't have a big following on social media, but like are doing things. Yeah, There's so in, much in good in stuff going on here. Like you, know you should just mean? go after all these, like some of the businesses and the people in Northern Ireland, because like Northern Ireland's punching above its weight. But even like start sports, like I don't think people realise like us a Northern Ireland company, and like yeah. you see it all over the Premier League, mm. all over the world. Like yeah. people wearing them bibs, like and I loved like, start sports for so long, mental, like. and then I met Ryan. Shout out Ryan. Yeah, so I got how I got into them, and you know how I pitched them. And it's just like that company is actually great. And it's going places. And there's, yeah. a couple, there's a few of those in the Northern Ireland. Like, do you know what I mean? I think, no, the plan plan moving forward is to just strip it back. We want to get more people on who we actually want to talk to. We're still going to sprinkle a few solo episodes in there and have a bit of crack. like, And just see Music see it. see where it goes. Who like. does your uh, little jingle? That uh, was Two Degrees, Matty from Two Degrees, right. the band. That was one of the first people, one of the first yeah, guests yeah. we had on Two Degrees, and we kept getting them back on again. But even that, like, like they crack, were like, such good crack, and like yeah. we recorded that episode and we we're having a few drinks, and it was such a laugh. And they had sick stories, like from like gigging in New York and stuff, and like yeah, it's like people. I think like, we we really enjoyed it. Like, yeah, yeah. Like that's I just what we lost through the year. Like, that's what through the years, yeah. like it just became like oh, I wonder what the guests want now. Like, it wasn't like. What we want, I like the listeners. Like, yeah, so exactly. you want to go back to finding yeah. the enjoyment of podcasting. Exactly. Yeah. If we love it, it'll grow with yeah. us. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's. I like, think that's what we find. I think it just got too much pressure, and I was like, "You're looking at like, oh, we need to get the next big guest on, bigger guest, bigger following, and like you're sort of trying to grow it." Whereas like now we're like, if the content's good, because like. The clips, like, we grew on TikTok because the content was good and we weren't necessarily getting these huge guests on. It was just good clips. Like, one of our biggest clips was just some random comedian guy who asked to come on the podcast. And, you know, it's like, it's more, we want to focus more on the content. Yeah. Stuff that we think is actually good instead mm-hmm. of just, like, focusing on, I think we're just, like, YV, like, content, like, 12 <laughs> yeah. clips a day content, type of thing. Content is king, but it has to be good quality. Like, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, there's definitely been some good clip of moments here, I'd say, but I think we do... Uh, I think we wrap it in a second, but because yeah. I want you to get competitive in our little office games. Yeah. <laughs> I was telling you before, there's some uh, there's some high pressure golf game yeah. in a, in the lifelike office, and L- I want you to the loser. Ha- the loser has to go to the toilet. 
<laughs> no worries. <laughs> Nobody even gets that. <laughs> just us. <laughs> uh, but like before we end, I suppose like what advice would you give us? Like you're in the content game. Like what would you? T- Help us. I don't know. This is what I would if this was my I'll podcast. It was flawless. I oh. give it to you. It was flawless. <laughs> Are you being Sorry, that one yeah. What? This is what I would do if this was my podcast. Yeah. What you what you said is like enjoy it. Find guests that you want to speak to and have the crack with because yeah. then authentically the episode's gonna be better, the quality's gonna be better, and have your boys cut it up and put out more versions, but then also show you guys you know, outside of the podcast, not like just going to work, but like coming to the podcast. Like we had loads of crack before we even turned this on. Yeah, yeah. I'd be documenting that. Yeah. I'd have Aaron rolling my camera the whole yeah. time. I'd be bringing Aaron into it. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. From there time to go. time, <laughs> just spinning my camera around. <laughs> I'd be doing that. And then after we're about to go and play this game, <laughs> I'll be getting that on. <laughs> That's what I do. And then... Yeah. Aaron, you went very red. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so like, yeah, that's my advice. Come. Content, bring your set, bring your personalities into yeah. bring non-podcast yeah. stuff. Just dribble it in, and then just come up with like clever ideas. I have some. Might share them. Might not. Might do my oh. podcast. Oh, go head to head with dangling the yard. Go on ahead. What about, we need a bit of competition. What about Jake Paul then and Tommy Fury? <laughs> <laughs> What's the crack? <laughs> well, here's here's the crack, right? <laughs> he, puts, he puts his hand over the microphone and start muffling <laughs> maybe, I'm intrigued maybe I'll send it to you and you can I don't know need to get clearance yeah no, that's good that's good we're, th- we're not here to end we're anybody career up, <laughs> I asked Robert thanks for coming on hey like I was I think class first podcast with the yeah. guests to start off the year so yeah, yeah and um, um, if they wanna if people wanna find you if you're a business and you're looking Lifelike Media on Instagram is where we're trying to put most of our stuff, but definitely go follow our YouTube because we're trying to subscribe. We're trying to build it. It's taking a time. It's really hard. So nice. YouTube. Nice. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's been fun. Right. Explain this. Explain this photo. Yeah. That is uh, the PG version of that photo is myself on the right. Roberto Escobar, who's Pablo Escobar's brother in the middle, and then my brother on the left. So we were in Colombia, Medellin. Actually, Medellin, they call it. I, you know, fucking. <laughs> what happened was we were over there for a business event, and we got chatting to the receptionist of our hotel mm-hmm. quite, quite a lot every day, every afternoon. She was really lovely. Like, the people out there are really lovely. She wanted to know more about what we were doing. I was like, yeah, I don't know, media... We do this and that, you know. So she says, you know what would be great for you? You should go and do the Escobar Museum Tour. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, obviously we're in Medellin. We're going to do that. And she goes, no, no, no. You can actually go to Roberto Escobar's house and you actually get to meet Roberto Escobar, who's just got out of prison because uh, wow. all the narcos have been released now, right? Oh, my God. I was like, how do, you, how do you do that? I haven't seen that on TripAdvisor. <laughs> said, oh, yeah, no, no, no. We, we, know, we know what's going on. We'll, we'll help you. Take this number, guy will come pick you up and take you. So, right? Fucking that, get, that sounds so sus. Yeah. We got the we got the cameras ready. Yeah. Um we got into this car, it was a little bit sus. Yeah. Drove to this compound, all CCTV cameras, uh, gates, barbed wire, and then went into the house. So like into this compound, you know, you had to do a wee uh, uh ID check. Mm-hmm. So we go in, the guy stays in the car. He's like, you go in, I stay in the car, right? No worries. 
There's a couple other people there as well, probably in, got roped in the same way we did. Yeah. And what actually happens is you do a quick tour. So what we learned was these guys who've just got a jail are now poor, whereas they used to have millions and millions. Mm. So what they're doing is they're basically whoring out their house nice. as a museum. Nice. <laughs> so you go in and there's this Russian guy who used to smuggle cocaine from Medellin to Moscow and then he got caught and he's telling all these stories about how he used to do this and that and go to prison and it was great. Showing us the house, he goes, oh, this was Pablo Escobar's plant. He loved this plant. <laughs> like, this was Pablo Escobar's chair. He used to sit in this chair, you know, when he was making his plans. 50 quid and you can sit in the chair too. <laughs> exactly. Very quickly we realized, I was like, all right, none of this is actually Pablo's stuff yeah. at all. This is you just completely stroking us for cash yeah. for in it. someone's house. Yeah. And it all started to make sense. So you just got a deal where you're getting all Pablo stuff. Like it all got raided. Yeah. You know, yeah. People actually raided their house, dug up the walls to try and find their treasure. So towards the end of the tour, I was like, yeah, we were, we were told we actually get to meet uh, Roberto Escobar. Yeah, 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 you get to meet him. All you have to do is buy something from the gift shop <laughs> and you will actually get the opportunity to meet him and he'll sign it for you. So we're like, right, okay. Walked into the gift shop. Everything is $50 $60, 70 oh. for fucking bullshit merch yeah. with Pablo Escobar's face on it. Oh so we look for the cheapest thing is a $25 cocaine spoon, which you can see up there on the photo. <laughs> so we're like, that's the cheapest thing, right? Let's just grab that. Brought it over and we got to go into that little room and meet Roberto. So He looks so unamused. Bro, he's blind. Right. They open, He opened the letter bomb in <laughs> jail and blew up his face. No way. Oh. Swear down. Because he went like that. He's like 85% blind. So we sat down. I that's said, that's I, blind, like 85%. <laughs> blind, you know what I mean? <laughs> I gave the camera to Jack. I said, I turned it on. I said, just roll because I'm going to ask him some questions. So I said to this Russian guy who loves himself, he's like, yeah, I'm the best like narco ever. Yeah. I like, if I ask him some questions, will you translate? Yeah, no problem. So he puts the little cocaine spoon down. He puts Roberto's hand on it with a Sharpie and he just does his little squiggle while Jack's recording. Yeah. And then I was like, you know, there's a YouTube video on this, like, you know, Roberto, what was Pablo like? You know, you are brothers and businessmen. Like, what was he like? I say, oh, you know, speaking in Spanish, we're getting the translation. Pablo was amazing. Pablo saved everyone's life. Pablo was the Lord, the King, like, bigging him up so much. And, yeah, yeah okay, great. So, so how much wealth did he amass? Like, what was really going on in the narcos? And ask these questions. After the third question, the sons, or the, the sons of him came over. I was like, no, no, no interview. No interview. I said, no, no, it's okay. The the Russian mafia, the Russian narco guy goes, oh, no, it's fine. It's fine. You know, I'm listening. I'm translating. I'm not going to do anything bad. No, no, no interviews, no interviews. So they actually cut the interview there uh -huh. and made us turn off our camera. So he shook his hand. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And then actually just left Roberto. Uh -huh. I was finding this Russian guy so interesting because he was giving away so much because yeah. it was like his ego. Yeah. He was really enjoying telling us. Yeah. So I went over to the garage. I started to do another interview with him. He was telling me all about how he smuggled all this and, you know, he got to go into prison and in the prison he was actually getting prostitutes and their mobile phone and all this. <laughs> and then again, the brothers come over and they're like, no, no, no. We told you already. No you talk too much. Mate. No interview, no interview. The next day, and they actually, was dead. <laughs> well, that's it. They, they, they asked us to leave. So we got back in the car and drove away and just looked at each other and went, me and my brother, like, ah, it's fucking bonkers. Yeah. So that's that's the photo from the that from the interview, which is on YouTube. 
Because so many people tell us stories, and it's like, oh, everyone's like, oh, that's bullshit, but there's literally the fucking photo oh, right the, there. Who's the. There'll be people in the TikTok comments being like, oh, this happened, and then there's the photo. And that's the wax figure in the corner as well. Dude, that's the thing. Yeah. That's the sort of shit they're flogging. Like, they're like, this is the life size. This is how tall Pablo was. Do you want to stand beside him and get a photo? $50. Imagine what? Oh. Yeah. Imagine going back in the plane and that. Uh, there is uh, in the non PG version, the Russian man appears again, but yeah, we'll see about it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> fine. <laughs>